Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to So You Want to Be in Ministry. And I'm Tim, and we are all about educating you if you're thinking about jumping into ministry, equipping you if you're already in, encouraging you if you're not at the finish line yet and you're thinking about jumping out. And then and if you're if you're a, um, attending a church and you just want to be supportive of your church staff, kind of understand what they're walking through, what it takes to get into ministry, we want to empower you to follow them well. And so we want to do all of those things each and every episode to the best of our ability. And today we get to interview Sean Key. Now, Sean is, uh, I've known him for a long time, known his family for a long time. We go back even into our youth ministry days um, where we have connected. But God has just uh, placed on his life, he and his wife, uh, that they needed to be missionaries to Bulgaria. And so uh, we get to hear a little bit about the nation of Bulgaria and some of even the biblical ties. Uh, we don't often think of the country of Bulgaria when we think of the Bible, and yet there are strong connections there. And he even talks about that a little bit. I'm excited to share his story with you. So let's get into our interview with Sean. Well, hey, Sean, thanks for being on the podcast today. So glad to have you. Uh, I got to know you, I don't know, maybe 15-ish years ago at uh, Super Summer in Illinois. Uh, and you were directing the camp, or at least helping direct the camp. And uh, we had a blast, and the relationship started there and just kind of grown since then. I am very happy to be here, and yeah, this should be this should be fun, be a good conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So you are, I'm sure I said this in the intro, but you are missionary. You and your wife are missionaries to Bulgaria. Uh, tell us how Bulgaria came became your home. All right. So first of all, a lot of people probably don't know where Bulgaria is because <laughs> I did not. So. If you uh, if you look at your map and find Greece, because everyone knows Greece, yeah. we're just to the north of Greece. Okay. And actually, in Acts, when Paul is trying to figure out where God wants him to go, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia yep. saying, "Come and help us." We claim that guy. Okay. Because today, uh, what was Macedonia then has at different times been part of Bulgaria. And so we still claim him. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that's Bulgaria. And I uh, I was very much an adult and had no idea where Bulgaria was. You already mentioned that we met at Super Summer, which yeah. was a, a camp for teenagers and college students yeah. from all over the state of Illinois. And one of the things that we did there, we, we did a lot of leadership development. And we use that as kind of a launching pad at the time to send teams of mostly college students literally all over the world, places like Russia and Cuba and Brazil and Peru and Bulgaria, of all places. And so I was helping to send these teams everywhere, but it wasn't until I met Natalie and she was on one of those Bulgaria teams that I really started to pay attention to Bulgaria. So Super Summer is also where Natalie and I met. Okay. And uh, this Sunday, we will celebrate 17 years being married. So that's how I first heard of Bulgaria. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, Natalie knew 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was calling her to serve long-term in Bulgaria. And I was 100% positive beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wasn't calling me to go anywhere outside the United States. <laughs> uh, I had never even been outside the United States other than one time to Mexico, which I didn't really even count because it's connected. And so we, uh, for about a year, had several pretty intense conversations about what the future was going to look like leading up to our engagement and wedding and uh yeah so i guess i'll just go in and tell this whole thing yeah go for it man so we met at super summer and pretty soon after that knew god was doing something and letting us know that we were going to be together for a very long time and so Part of that, some of those conversations came up, and every guy who's married understands what those conversations are like. You know, she was uh, 
she was beyond a shadow of a doubt knew this is what God was calling her to do. And I beyond a shadow of a doubt knew that she was crazy and God would just use Bulgaria to get her to where she could meet me. <laughs> and then we were going to keep living in St. Louis and working in Illinois and, you know, everything was going to be great. But after several of these conversations, I said, I'll tell you what, I will go with you one time and we'll just see what God does. <laughs> and in my head, this was going to be how God was going to change her mind. And so the following year after we met, I went on my first trip to Bulgaria with a team of mostly college students from Illinois. And Natalie was already there ahead of the rest of the team. And we drove from St. Louis. I got in a van and drove up to Chicago. That's where we flew out of. And I was miserable on that entire van ride. It was like six hours of just misery, just wrestling with God. And then we got on our first plane from Chicago to, I'm pretty sure it was to Milan, Italy. And I was miserable. I was awake the entire time and just saying, God, what are you doing here? I'm not sure if you understand what's going on, but... <laughs> this girl is a little bit crazy about this place and I'm not. So I need you to fix this like soon. And I just, I was absolutely miserable. Just this inner misery of just heaviness. And even flying over Europe, I was looking out the window and everyone else was still asleep. And I saw the outline of France and the only reason I knew I was looking at France is because between high school and college, I had like six years of French class. And the only two things I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I learned are the shape of France and how to say, je suis un grand canard, which means I'm a big duck. <laughs> and so that was, the, that was the only thing that made me smile on that entire trip is seeing France. And so our plane landed and I was miserable got off the plane in this, at the time, it was still the old communist era airport and it was not in the best condition. And so I was just like, God, what are you doing? Fix this, please. Walking through the airport with this big group of people, picking up our suitcases. And I was just miserable. And then I remember getting to where the main lobby doors to the airport were. And they opened up and Natalie was on the other side waiting for us with one of her best friends who was Bulgarian. And I walked through that door toward Natalie. And as I walked through it, God just said, you're home. Oof. And it was that fast. And I just had this peace. And literally from that moment on, we started figuring out what does life in Bulgaria look like? And how do we, how do, we do what God wants us to do? And so we spent um, several years. At the time, I had a son who was 10, and I knew no matter what, I wasn't going to be moving anywhere until he was at least out of high school. And Natalie absolutely agreed with that. And so we started figuring out what does it look like for us to keep serving in Bulgaria every year, and how do we make that happen? And then in 2015, it was time and we moved here and we've been here ever since, a little over eight years now. And by the way, that first trip ended about two weeks before our wedding. So <laughs> I did I don't I think I did know that, but I forgot it. Yeah. Oh man. So you figured out where your your house, what your home was two weeks before yeah. you married her. Okay. <laughs> so you you will say that a lot, that Bulgaria is our home. Like when you come back to the States or something, you, you, you don't tell people, I'm going home back to the States. You, you tell people in the States, I'm going home back to Bulgaria. Could you explain just, I mean, it may just stem from that story, but could you talk about how Bulgaria is your home, has become your home? That is how you view it. Yeah, so actually it's, it's a little bit different than the okay. way you just put it because okay. – I So I already said next week, uh, I, we were talking earlier, and I told you next week I'm flying back to visit um, family. Yeah. And I will leave Bulgaria to fly home. Okay. 
and I'll spend some time at home. And St. Louis will always be my home. Okay. But then I'll leave home to fly 5,500 miles back home. So it's kind of weird. I, yeah, I have two homes, homes on yeah. both sides of the world. Did you and grow up in the St. Louis area? Yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, lifelong okay. St. Louis person, other than one year in California when I was pretty little. Okay. Um, yeah, St. Louis has always been home. Yeah. So it's like hometown and then the place that is your home. I like that's is that how you kind of view it or Yeah, I mean I don't know you'd have it home A and home B or yeah, I yeah. don't know which is which. You know, obviously I spend more time in Bulgaria now. Yeah. But yeah, this is this is home. Being being missionaries here is not our job. I mean it is. We're vocational missionaries, but it's more than that. This is our home. The people that we're serving are our neighbors and our friends and our community. And it's not something that, you know, we don't have this countdown clock in our heads of, okay, only two more years and we get to go back or go somewhere else. This is it. This is where God has called us to be. And we don't anticipate ever going anywhere else. You know, obviously God can do anything, but for now he said, this is your home. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit about Bulgaria, since uh, you already explained if we probably don't know where it exactly is. Tell us about the culture. Tell us about the people, uh, some of those things. So Bulgaria is a very old country. It actually in Europe has been Bulgaria with the name Bulgaria longer than any other country in Europe has been there with the name that it has now so before there was england there was bulgaria before there was france there was bulgaria bulgaria has been around for a very long time and even before it was bulgaria there were people living here so when people come to visit us in sofia which is the capital and that's where we live i like to tell them we don't know for sure that anyone mentioned in the Bible was ever here in this city, but I can guarantee you that people who interacted with them passed through here at least and visited here. We're, we're just a pretty short, uh, probably four hour drive to Thessaloniki where obviously Paul spent a lot of time, not too far from Philippi. We do know that Andrew, uh, Jesus disciple spent time going up and down the eastern coast of Bulgaria along the Black Sea. So it's it's been here for a very long time. So very, very old culture. It's also been through a whole lot in that time. It, for about 500 years, Bulgaria was subject to the Ottoman Empire, uh, which was not a happy time. And then at the end of that, they were free and had this renewed Bulgarian kingdom for about 60 years. And then the Soviet Union came in and kind of not really took over. Bulgaria was not part of the Soviet Union, but they were like one of the favorite stepchildren of the Soviet Union. So they'll say that it wasn't a truly communist country, but for what we know of communism, Bulgaria was a communist country. It was technically socialist, but for all intents and purposes, it was ruled by a dictator and would fall under the category of communist okay. until the Berlin Wall fell. And then uh, ever since then, around 1990, they've had democracy in some form or another. And that's where we're at now. If you have specific questions, I can answer them. Yeah, yeah. If I start talking, we'll be here for like 12 days with me just. That gives going. us, yeah, that gives us a good overview of kind of the hist historical side of it. Um, tell, like, what, what are the favorite uh, sports activities, hobbies of Bulgarian people? Favorite sport, hands down, would be football, what we call soccer. Uh, that's kind of the number one thing. You know, there are other sports that are popular here. Basketball is pretty popular. 
not so much on a professional level, but it's very popular. Starting to see a little bit of baseball being played, and now actually American football okay. is getting bigger and bigger. We actually have some a really good friend who is a football coach here. Okay, uh, he's also a missionary, and uh, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. That's one of the things that I do. Uh, one of the ministries I do is I have American football night, and I have guys just come over and we watch football games and hang out and talk, and it's a uh, it's a good time for the American guys just to come and get a little bit of home. But then we also invite our Bulgarian friends to try and show them, no, this is what football is. <laughs> uh, this, so far, I don't think we've convinced any of them, but. <laughs> this is why you fall down when you get hit is this right here. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, cool. Uh, what about some like other uh, interests? So, um, like, is it because you're on? You have a seed. You got some mountains or at least hilly areas. So, like, does that bring out uh, a cultural aspect? Yeah, there's a lot of tourism here. We, okay. People from all over Europe come to Bulgaria, partly because it's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, counted among the rest of Europe, it's one of the least expensive places to be. <laughs> also one of the poorest countries okay. in the European Union. I I think we're still technically the poorest country in the European Union. Uh, we do have beautiful mountains. We have several mountain ranges. Uh, we do have the Black Sea. We have uh, really cool cultural stuff. You know, I already talked about how old our city is. So there's ruins everywhere. There are monasteries everywhere there's one monastery that's over a thousand years old it's a unesco world heritage site Uh, just a lot of fun things to see and great museums things like that so that's probably the biggest thing that brings people here is tourism okay um but you know there are a lot of companies here a lot of uh a lot of technology companies come here to do business because it's an easy place to do business from. We have great internet here. It's for a long time has had what's been rated the best internet in Europe. Nice. So it's a, yeah, it's kind of a mix. There's a a lot of poverty, but there's also a lot of, a lot of nice things too. Yeah. So what aspect of Bulgaria do you guys minister within? Like where do you serve or, I mean, your neighbors, but do you have a specific focus or target that you try to lean into? So we actually have a Bulgarian nonprofit organization that we started called the Big House Foundation. And through that, we are able to work with some of the children's homes. We have two specifically that we work with. Uh, One is for very highly special needs babies. And the other is a home for just kids uh, who are not special needs, but range in age from four up into 18 when they age out of the system. Those are the two that we focus on just because it's really just me and Natalie. And we have some other friends who help us out with stuff. Uh, So those are the two that we spend the most time with. Uh, We do have a ministry partner who is in Texas who really takes on most of what we do at the special needs home because that is just where her heart is. And so we've been able to do things for them, like help provide, uh, the state gives them a very limited budget. And when it does give them a budget, it doesn't acknowledge a difference from child to child among needs, uh, food wise or medicine wise. And anyone with special needs kids knows that, you know, they're just things that no two kids are the same. And so it's really difficult sometimes for the directors of these homes to get different kids what they need. And so we've been able to help buy special formula and medicines and things like that. And then also to help provide uh, medical help in the form of doctors and sometimes testing and things. You know, it, sometimes the state will cover very specific operations and medical costs but yes you can get that done but it's going to be six months before you can do it well this six month old child will be 
dead by then if we don't do something now. So we've been able to step in and help cover those costs and make things happen faster. And then at the other at the other place, we go and visit there a lot. And to me, that's one of the big things is just going and spending time with the kids. And there are lots of people in different groups that come in and will organize uh projects that they do and crafts and special programs that they come and do great things with the kids and the kids love that and it's good for them but we almost always go there without a plan and we just bring a group of people and we just go hang out and let the kids there show us what they want to do and show us how they live or play ping pong or play catch outside or just whatever, just walk around with them and let them determine what's going to happen and just do some real relational kinds of things. And to us, that's just the most special way that we can help. And we do some other financial stuff kind of behind the scenes with helping offset their monthly food costs and things like that. So those are the two big things that we do with our nonprofit. But then we also use it as kind of the umbrella to do some events in Sofia where in the past we've had uh, pre-COVID, we were having a lot of game nights and English clubs and things like that. Uh, hopefully in the coming year, we'll get back into doing some of those things. Uh, we'll just see where God takes that. I also do have done in the past an international Bible study, uh, which was mostly college and older people from all over the world and we would meet once a week and with covid that kind of also had to die off a little bit but it was fun because a lot of those people went back to their various homes uh, some of them finished school and were going back to careers and whatever and we have been able to carry that on over zoom thanks to covid uh, we figured out how to do that and so we've had our international Bible study where we're literally international in the moment cool. with people from Italy and Germany and England and Scotland and Mexico and the United States. Um, just literally people from all over the world all joining together and spending time together. Uh, so yeah, those are the big things. And then our other, our one other big thing is a few years ago, Natalie and I purchased an abandoned house in a village in Northwest Bulgaria. And that was just kind of a dream of ours. And that kind of came about with um, Natalie recovering from some pretty significant medical stuff, which we'll probably get into a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and we bought this abandoned place and just started slowly working on it with the goal of one day being able to possibly live there. And over the years, that's just become a great thing where, you know, we're becoming part of that community and they all try to figure out what the crazy Americans are doing now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've got great neighbors there and it's just been a really fun time to be able to meet people and just invest in people's lives there. Cool. So, before I do want to capture some of what's been happening with Natalie and just family dynamics and uh, medical stuff. But before we get to that, I believe you said that Big House Foundation is a Bulgarian nonprofit. Do you say that? Could you talk about that? Because I think when people, at least the majority of the people that are going to be watching this are probably in the U.S. When you say nonprofit, they just naturally think, well, it's probably U.S. nonprofit. Is there differences between Bulgarian nonprofit and U.S. nonprofit? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could feel the sigh. <laughs> so basically, anytime you have to interact with any state agency for any reason in Eastern Europe, and that's everything from from paying bills to taking care of visas, which for the first five years we were here, we had to do every year, everything. Anytime you have to deal almost with every company and certainly with any government agency, just imagine 
being locked inside your local DMV for days on end. And however cranky the people there normally are, just turn that dial up from eight or nine to about 18 or 19. That's kind of what it's like. Okay. It's a combination of being in the DMV and Saturday detention. <laughs> it just is not fun. And so we end up using lawyers and, you know, getting people to help us with that kind of stuff. And yes, it's a learning experience, but it's not one that I would wish on anyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> Are you guys, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm not sure. Are you guys dual citizens, Bulgarian citizens? No, we're not dual okay. citizens. We are what's called permanent residents. Okay. So once you've lived here for five years and renewed your visa every year, then you can apply to become a permanent resident. And that's okay. what we are now, okay. which praise God means that we don't have to go through that process anymore. Uh, at the end of five years, we'll have to renew some paperwork, but so far from what we understand, that's a fairly easy process and won't be nearly the, the process that it was for all the years of having to go and deal with it yep. in the past. You have proven you love Bulgaria. <laughs> so officially, we now have all the rights of a Bulgarian citizen other yeah. than to vote and we can't have a Bulgarian passport, things like that. I cannot be the president of Bulgaria. Oh, man. But other than that, uh, yeah, we're permanent residents. Okay, cool. So let's talk, let's switch over to the family. You have been navigating some very difficult uh, medical things. I mean, you, you've been navigating medical things since like one, uh, <laughs> but if you want to talk about that, but you guys have been navigating some of that. If I'm going to just kind of give you the floor to talk about whatever you want to with that. All right. So, yeah, I, when we moved here, we came understanding a couple of things. And one is I am a type one diabetic. And like you said, I have been since I was 18 months old. Uh, God has been very gracious to me and taking care of me very well. I've not had any major complications from being a diabetic for over 50 years now. I have in the last couple of years had some stuff with my eyes. Uh, some of that is hereditary and some of that was probably diabetes related, but you know, I'm still in fairly good overall health, but you know, as you know, Tim, diabetes is never, never an easy day. It's just something you get used to and, and you just kind of deal with it and it's life and you, you just keep going. Yeah, we're actually taking my daughter, who's a type 1 diabetic, we're, we're getting her eyes checked today. So later on today, we'll be going. So, you know. Yeah. And that's a that's just a normal thing that you just get used to. Yep. Uh, we also, when we moved here, knew that Natalie had lupus, and she had had it for quite a while at that time. And, you know, it slowed her down some, and there were times where she would get sick, and it would take her a little bit longer than most people to get over it, things like that. But Natalie is also an athlete through and through. She was a college uh, volleyball and basketball star. She's one of those weird, freaky people who just run miles for no reason and enjoy it. And, you know, just that's always been who she is. Uh, there have been times when she and I here would go for a hike and go up the mountain, which we live very close to the foot of a mountain. And so we would go up that mountain and I would be huffing and puffing and she would run past me and say, don't worry, I'll come back. And she'd <laughs> run back and circle around me and just keep running circles around me. So for every for every mile I went, she probably ran four or five. <laughs> and I did I was not running every mile. I was <laughs> huffing and puffing every mile, but she would literally run circles around me. Uh, then, you know, several years into living here, uh, we just started to see some things with her getting sicker and sicker and more often sicker. 
And then in the, it was over Christmas in 2018. Um, you know, I don't get sick very often, but over Christmas, I was sick as a dog. And our son, Chris, uh, at the time was 13, I think. Uh, he also got sick. And Natalie was the healthy one over Christmas. And about a week later, Chris and I were both better, and she started to get sick. And we just figured she caught whatever we caught. Well, to make a long story short, she started having these awful headaches, and we thought she was just having some migraines, and they would pass. But it got to where she was screaming mm -hmm. in pain. And Natalie has a very high pain tolerance. Yes. So just to put that in perspective, when we were still living in St. Louis, one day she and I were supposed to be going to a Cardinals game. It was a Friday afternoon. I came home from work. And the game had a 6.30 start time, I think, 6.30 or 7. And we were getting ready to go, and she's walking through the kitchen and caught her pinky toe on a piece of furniture and broke it. And, you know, it was one of those things where someone gets hurt, and you just give them a minute to walk it off before you say anything, make sure they're okay. And I gave her a minute, and she still wasn't coming back. So I went to see how she was, and she said, look at that and tell me if you think it's broken. And so I looked at her foot and her pinky toe is pointing absolutely the wrong direction. And I was just like, yes, it's definitely broken. And so we had to go to urgent care. And this was at like probably 5.30. And long story short, we got to the game before the third inning started. And she just made it and that's how she deals with pain she just keeps going so january 2019 she is screaming in pain and finally she did not want to go to the hospital mm -hmm. and finally i just said no we're going to the hospital got her in the car and she didn't want to stay at the hospital they said no you need to stay at the hospital she ended up staying there. This was a Monday. And I didn't realize until later, toward the end of that week, that it was Wednesday before any of the doctors there thought that she would ever leave the hospital. Wow. She had shingles, which anyone who's ever had those knows that they are painful and really difficult, no matter where you have them. She had them on her face which is the worst place that you can get them. And this infection had gone into her nervous system and then into her brain mm. and caused some massive swelling and infection in her brain. And like I said, it was Wednesday before they even thought she had a chance of ever coming home from the hospital. She was in the hospital for 12 days. And when she did come home, she could barely walk uh, this is the same person that used to go out and run 10 miles almost every day. She could barely walk. I had to help her everywhere. She could barely talk. She couldn't remember words. When she could remember things, she was a lot like Dory from Finding Nemo. She wouldn't remember anything that she said. She would constantly repeat herself and ask the same questions over and over. It was a very scary time. Uh, so this was January. And she just worked and worked and worked. By late March, she was walking around slowly, but walking around by herself, getting much better with her vocabulary and being able to speak again. Still repeating herself a lot, but not nearly as much. By April, she was back out starting to run again, uh, small amounts. But by June, she was back out running six, seven, ten miles at a time. Uh, and we just thought everything was going really well. And then not too long after that, that same year, um, it's right around then when, when she knew that she was going to make it that spring that, you know, her dream had always been to have a house in a village in Bulgaria. And so we went and started looking. And... 
we bought this house for less than you would spend on a used car. Um, it was abandoned, no running water, no electricity, anything like that. And so we just, our plan was we would go and just slowly start working on it and it would give us something to do and give her something to do and something to focus on. Um, all of this going on while we're still doing ministry, Natalie at the time, her big ministry thing in our neighborhood was she would just prepare lunches. She'd get Ziploc bags and put sandwiches and fruit and some kind of snack in it and load up a backpack and just go walk around and say, God, take me to who you want me to go to. And she would go and just know that she was supposed to walk up to someone and say, are you hungry? And give them something to eat. And, you know, sometimes these were very obvious people picking stuff out of dumpsters. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes these were people who looked like they were fairly well-dressed, but she would go up and know that that's who God was directing her to. And they would say, you're not going to believe this, but I haven't eaten for three days and I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. And I was just standing here asking God for help. And you walked up and that would happen over and over and over again. And so after, after she got really sick, she wasn't able to do this as much. And um, so going to the village kind of became her next, her next focus. Um, that fall, she was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and no one could figure out what was going on. And it ends up, uh, her lupus had gotten very, very, very bad. And then on top of that, she has something called progressive systemic sclerosis, which between the two of those, it basically means that her immune system is trying to kill her every second of every day. And it just attacks every system in the body from the nervous system to the muscular system, heart, lungs, kidneys, um, gastric system, everything are just a mess. And so that's what she's been dealing with for the last several years uh, to the point now where the way that they're trying to slow it down is with monthly doses of steroids, very strong steroids uh, that are not ever recommended to be used as much as they are for this. It's just such an extreme case that there's nothing else they can do. And then this summer they started adding to those treatments one day of chemotherapy medicine. And so that's, every month and has to happen for at least six months to a year for them to even know if it's doing anything, but they just really, uh, between the disease and the treatment, I'm not sure which is worse, but it's really hard to find a good day, but she just keeps, keeps going and going and going. And, um, she writes great stuff about it. Anyone who, finds her on Facebook and see how she writes and uh, she just trusts God through everything. And I sometimes don't know. I often don't know how she does it, but she does it and she keeps taking photos and I know we'll get into that in a little bit. And that's become um, not just a ministry, but also a way uh, that's kind of her tent making uh thing that helps us raise some money to be able to stay here and keep serving and, and living here. Yes. Uh, since we're already there, I'm just going to go there a little bit. If there's more you want to share, let's come back to this. But mm -hmm. um, Bulgaria is beautiful, and Natalie <laughs> captures it. If you just want to follow someone to just see beauty, like – the pictures she captures will just make your day better. <laughs> so like follow her. Uh, we can put her link out there just so you can find her. If you do nothing else, if you don't read a thing, if you don't interact, if you don't engage and you just look at the pictures, it will make your day better. Uh, so we'll link hers. But 
I, she uses those photos. You said as the tent making thing. So she uses her photos. I'll show some of these. So this is hers. So you can see this is August of this year. Let me see if I can find it. There's one that I really like. So let me see if I can find it. It might be that one. Yeah, here it is. So, but they do, it's a calendar. And uh, this is how Natalie helps to support them and in, in be able to stay in Bulgaria. We're going to add the link because they're going to be selling these. This The 2024 calendars will be coming out. Uh, what, what day do they come out? Or order ordering starts, is what I should say. Uh, I can't give you an exact okay. date, but it should be in the next week or so. Okay. We'll get the we'll get the information up on our website, and then if anyone's following us on Facebook or Instagram, we'll we'll talk about it there also. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to support, like, if you're just like, one time, you get a cool calendar, get some beautiful photos. Uh, you can help support the key family, and you're helping Natalie uh, support their family as well. And you get you definitely get something out of it. I do every time. It's always in my office at home, and so. Uh, we'll link all of that information where you can find them, website, all of those things. I think you have a really cool uh, website address. Could you could you just share the website address? Yeah, it's www.missionarymeans.us. US. That was a great creative way to add that all together. <laughs> you have said, so I'm switching gear. Is there anything else you wanted to share on the Natalie front? Or the family no, side of things. Yeah, you know, I, I will on the family side, just because I I think this is important. Uh, we, I mentioned our son, Chris, we are adoptive parents. And, you know, that's been a great thing is definitely something that God called us to do. I have an older son and then we adopted Chris um, in 2011. Um, adoption is a beautiful thing. But it can also be a very traumatic thing, uh, just for different reasons. Uh, Chris, before we ever knew him, went through some pretty severe trauma. And that kind of thing just doesn't go away. And that's affected him his entire life. And as a family, it affects the entire family. And we're dealing with some of that stuff now where... Um, you know, we've had to make some decisions to get him to a special school where he, as part of being there and going to school, also has access to some people who can help him process through what happened to him in the past and how that's affecting him today and how that in turn affects people around him. And it's a difficult process. So if you're an adoptive parent out there and going through stuff, um, you're not alone. We get it. There's a lot of other people that get it. And I think that's an encouragement that people need to hear sometimes. Adoption is beautiful, but it, at the same time, you know, the Bible tells us that we're adopted children of God's. And that's not necessarily a all roses and sunshine thing for God. He has to deal with a lot from us. <laughs> and so being an adoptive parent, I think gives you a better understanding of God and his grace and his mercy toward us. And, you know, it just really helps me to understand how much God has saved me from and um, who I am to him. Yeah. So we, we definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, we definitely show up <laughs> uh, in God's arms and in God's family with a lot of trauma and baggage and difficulty and he just takes it on uh yeah i agree what is uh one tool or lesson that you've learned in this uh journey of being a missionary in bulgaria that you wish you had from the start or maybe that you're even glad you did have from the start so you know i think god God definitely prepares us all along the way. And sometimes I think when we are gnashing our teeth and chomping at the bit to say, all right, God, let's go, let's do this thing. 
sometimes when things aren't going the way we want, God is saying, you just need to slow down because I'm getting you ready. And also there are other people who are going to be involved in this who aren't ready yet. So be patient. I will get you where I need you when I need you there. You know, it was, uh, it was years of us traveling to Bulgaria every year. We brought teams, learned a lot along the way about Bulgaria. And because of that, when we, when it was time to move here and we knew when it was time to move, God made it very clear to us. Uh, and that's a story for a different day, but there was just miracle after miracle that happened to get us here. Uh, we were very prepared. We understood the culture. We knew some of the language at the time. We thought we were ready to hit the ground running and thank God that he had prepared us as much as he had because when we got here, we found out we weren't ready. <laughs> There's a big difference between going into a foreign culture for two weeks at a time yeah. and then living there. Yeah. And so... You know, there are a lot of questions that you have to ask before you move to a foreign place. And you-, I, you know, I, I do think it's important. And I know you and I have talked about this in the past, and you've heard me talk about this in the past. If you're a Christ follower, you are a missionary. You automatically get that job title. It's not an optional thing. It's part of the package. If you're going to follow Jesus... That means that you are a missionary. The only thing that changes is where. And there are some of us that God says, yeah, I want you to move your hometown that you've grown up in and love and love everything about and go somewhere across the world to a culture that's strange to you that you're not going to completely understand. We have to learn a new language and all kinds of new things. Some of us that happens to, and for some of us, we become vocational missionaries. But if you're a Christian, wherever your feet hit the floor today, you are a missionary, and your job is to be pointing people toward Jesus. And I think God had slowly prepared me with that understanding for years before we ever moved here. Because we didn't get here and say, okay, now how do we start being missionaries? What's the big project we have to do? You know, what do we, what's the documentation? Where's the book we read to say, do this and do this? It was just kind of an automatic thing that every moment of every day, we're looking for ways to point people toward Jesus. And that sometimes is as simple as going into the store and smiling at the person who's ringing you out, even if they mess up. And doing that over and over and over again and being kind to them and until you can start having conversations with them and they get to where they're like, why are you here? <laughs> uh, and we see that over and over and over in our, in our work. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned along the way is that you're a missionary. Now figure out what that looks like wherever God has you today. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard you say that a lot. We have talked about that a lot. You you mentioned that there's a there's several things you need to think through or process before you become a missionary to another like country. Uh, could could you give us like two or three things that people should process? Because they there may be people listening that have thought about that and maybe they just don't know how to process all of it. Could you just start them with like two or three things that they should be processing? Yeah. So there. I think they fall into two different categories. Uh, one is the practical side of things. Okay. And, you know, what do I, what do I actually have to do before I go? Do I need a visa? Do I need, you know, for short-term trips to Bulgaria, you don't need a visa. You can come on your U.S. passport for up to 90 days. So that's easy. Okay. Well, do I need a visa if I'm going to be there longer? Do I need any kind of special shots? Are there... Are there things I need to know happening in that part of the world uh, medical-wise or political things that I need to be aware of? How are people going to view Americans? Mm. Uh, One of the things that we Mm -hmm. found early on is that in Eastern Europe, 
most people's understanding of America comes from the movies. Okay. And so, you know, especially early on, people had this idea that we all live in houses like uh, on Home Alone. <laughs> and, you know, we just, if we want to go somewhere else in the world, we go out in the backyard and pick money off of our money tree. And we just go wherever we want, whenever we want. And took us a while to convince them, yeah, no, it's not like that. We can't actually afford to be here. <laughs> we all the years that we came could never afford to come here yeah either either myself or natalie never once did we have the money to get here and so that was another big understanding is that it's not about you at all we're the people who are here and kind of the tip of the spear but there are so many people who are part of the ministry that we do here who help us through prayer, through giving even $10 a month to help us be here. Uh, so many different people literally all over the world who are part of this ministry. And we never take that for granted. And, you know, we try to thank those people and, encourage them as much as we can but we're so appreciative of all of the people who help us to be here the other the other big thing is the other side other than the practical things is just the mindset and you can't go into missions with the mindset of i'm smart and so i'm going to come and show you how to be a christian or how to live a better life uh, i'm going to come and save you with my culture because you will be humbled very quickly <laughs> if you do that. Now, we hear, we often hear people say, what are you going to tell us about Christianity? We were Christians before there was an America. <laughs> There's that old part of the country right there. And so, and you know, that's, that was never really a problem for us because we never, we never had that mindset. Yeah. Uh, you know, when people ask us, why are you here? Our first thing we always say, and it's true, is just because we love Bulgaria. Yep. And, you know, that's just opens a lot of doors and, and gets conversations going. Because people are like, really? <laughs> and, um, people always think, you know, it's that old saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. So it leads to some really good conversations. But those are probably the two big things. And I probably should write a book about all the things to think about um, becoming a missionary, but those are probably the big ones. Okay. That's good. And I would say, I'm going to go back to even the support side of things where um, you, you mentioned $10 a month. I think sometimes when we're, when we're talking about support and, you know, do you want to support this ministry? Do you want to support this missionary or this uh people doing different things sometimes we conjure up where it's like well i don't have thousands to do that like it can be dollars it can be saving your change and just giving a one-time gift it can be like all god uses all of that uh to accomplish his work around the world so, yeah absolutely yeah so there's a creative ways to to just figure out how to partner if you, if you have a heartbeat with somebody or, or a specific mission of an organization there's creative ways to do all that Give us a few books uh, that have just impacted you, impacted your ministry, and how you do things. Yeah, and I I will probably mess up the name. Uh, Missions-wise, uh, a few years into bringing teams here, this book came out, out uh, written by a couple of guys who had been missionaries in Europe, and it's called Tradecraft for the Church on Mission. And a lot of the stuff that they were writing, I was just like, yes, this is it. This is exactly it. And it's all written down already. And these are the things that we were trying to teach our teams before we brought them here. It's a phenomenal book for any church, any person that is thinking about missions, whether it's short term or long term. I highly recommend that book. And their organization is called the Upstream Collective, and they have a lot of good stuff for sending churches as well as people who are going places outside of their home community okay. to serve as missionaries. So I can't 
can't give you enough recommendation for them. And I have no connection to them whatsoever other than reading their stuff. Um, one of the ways that I think God really prepared me for ministry in general was just through very early on learning leadership from a lot of people along the way. Mm -hmm. And I cannot emphasize enough how important that is going into any new ministry or even just any new career is to learn about leadership, learn about how to interact with people, how to get people excited about what you're excited about. And so I think I sent you uh, John Maxwell, who is a believer and writes about leadership. And he, he teaches leadership to, if you can name a big company, they've used him at some point. Yep. But he's, he's had a book out forever called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which I think it's been updated recently too. Uh, has just phenomenal stuff that is actually true when you get into it. And I spent a good amount of time in the corporate world uh, being a lay leader in the church and then moving into more full-time ministry positions. And so his stuff worked across the board. And the same thing about a guy named Ken Blanchard, mm -hmm. who has been around forever and when I first started reading his stuff, he was not a believer, but he became a believer. And I think there was some association with John Maxwell there. I'm not positive about that. It wouldn't surprise me if that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But his, his stuff, uh, when I first read his, his book that I first read was called The One Minute Manager. And it was very short and simple and just very easy to follow ideas about being a leader in any organization. And then he's got other books that go along with that. And all of them, every time I can read one, I, I still do. I'll go out and get it just to take a look at it. So those those three are all great resources. Cool. So we have we actually have four kind of focuses now. The first is educate those thinking about jumping in. We've definitely done that. You've even educated us just on where Bulgaria is, <laughs> uh, and then equipping people who are already in ministry. And I think we've done some of that. Uh, I, I, the fourth one that I'm kind of playing with in it is empowering, uh, like just, if you're just a church member, you're just a church goer, just empowering you to follow well and, and really enhance the ministry underneath your pastoral and church leadership. But there's one other one that where it's uh, encouraging those that are considering jumping out. And we've heard a lot of your story. Before you share with us your encouragement for those that might be thinking about uh, jumping out, how can we encourage people who are in other countries where they have the dual home situation? How, how can we who are just in our home area encourage those that are abroad? You know, I am... Um... I'm the king of the introverts. And so I've always felt like, you know, I don't need a bunch of people coming up and encouraging me, but you do. Everyone does. And there are times when being so far away from home, even in our modern world where right now you're on one side of the world and I'm on the other, we're talking. When I first started coming here, we couldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, even in today's world where we can instantly speak to people on the other side of the world, a lot of times missionaries feel like they've been forgotten. Mm. And I see that a lot in our missionary community. It's one of the things I work at doing is encouraging our missionary community in the different things that they're doing and uh, just making sure that they're doing all right. But it's easy to feel like you're forgotten and we have churches who do great things and provide funding and financial support. And that is awesome. But I can tell you that probably any missionary any in, anywhere in the world would love to get an email or a call just saying, hey, I was thinking about you today. I hope you're doing well. How can I be praying for you? And even if you don't get an answer back, Sometimes we just can't because life gets crazy when you're dealing with cultures and just figuring out what's going on. Uh, just hearing from people is a really big deal. 
So if you have missionaries that your church is working with, send them an email. Let them know you haven't forgotten them, that you're praying for them. And actually follow through with that. Do pray for them because it makes a huge difference. Yeah. So what encouragement would you give to those that are, they aren't to the finish line that God has put in front of them. They're thinking about just jumping out because they're discouraged or angry or frustrated or whatever the emotion is. Um, what encouragement could you give? If God is calling you, then go. Mm. We probably 90% of the people that we brought here on teams and the teams that we brought were mostly high school students. Probably 90% of those people, very early on in the process, we heard from a parent or someone at their church, well, how much is that going to cost? And while I, I understand that, to me, that's just the wrong question because God has plenty of money. That's not the question to be asking. The question to be asking is, is this what God's calling you to do? And if God's calling you to do it, then do it. Start talking to people. Because I guarantee you, of all of those people, and we brought hundreds on teams to Bulgaria with us, we never had anyone who had to back out for lack of funding. Ever. God's people will show up to help you get wherever it is that God is calling you to go. Oh, man. That should not be your number one concern. Your number one concern should be, is this what's God, what God's calling me to do? And how does God want me to prepare for this? <laughs> and with that comes learning about the culture, learning about where you're going, why you're going, what should I say and what should I not say when I'm there? Uh, who are my leaders and how do I serve under them? If you're going on a short-term trip, you're probably going to go serve with a missionary who's there for a longer period of time. And you are not smarter than them when it comes to going to that place. And I'm not mentioning this because people have done this to me. I'm mentioning it because... It's how I went in as a short-term missionary, thinking I was going to know more stuff. But that person has been there already and is plugged into that community and that mission field, and they're going to be there after you leave. And so you need to consider that. How do I go and serve in this place with this person in their ministry and help them to accomplish what God's called them to do? But if God's calling you, then go. Yeah, that's powerful stuff, man. Um, any Anything else that you want to add to this? We appreciate prayers. We appreciate uh, you talked about our tent making and calendars and things like that. Um, yeah. We appreciate prayer support and check out our calendars. And if it's something God says, go for, buy one or a hundred. She's, she's done so well. <laughs> it's, it's close to her dinner time, so she gets oh, riled up. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hang on. We'll pause. Absolutely, everybody. Go. I mean, seriously, if you want to fall in love with a country from afar. Are you done? Thank you. Thank you. All right, I think we have a minute. <laughs> okay. Yeah, everyone, if you want to fall in love with a country from afar, 
follow them, follow the Instagram, follow the Facebook. You will absolutely fall in love with how beautiful Bulgaria is. Uh, make sure you do that. Sean, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time with us. Thank you. It's been fun. All right. See you, man. Bye. There's a whole lot happening in Sean's world. Obviously, some difficulty with medical things, um, you know, dealing with <laughs> parenting and adoption and all the different things that can just come with normal life as, a, as an individual. And then you stack on top of that being thousands of miles away from your closest family members. Uh, God's definitely doing some really cool things through them. They're incredibly creative people. Please check out uh, their website. Uh, if you just want a small way to support them just a little bit, buy one of the calendars. I mean, everybody can use a calendar and they are beautiful pictures. Natalie does such a great job capturing the beauty of Bulgaria. And I mean, if you, ne if you don't, all you ever do with that calendar is look at the pictures, it's well worth what you would pay for that. We'll connect all of that through our social media and through links, whether it's on the podcast or on YouTube, we'll connect it through the links. Please look at uh, just following them and seeing their story and being a part of their story. I know the most you can do uh, is pray, and then anything beyond that is going to help them out just a little bit. Uh, be a part of their story because their story is well worth supporting. So glad to have you today. Look forward to our upcoming episodes. We are getting near the end of year one. So this has been a fun adventure over 2023. I'm excited to see where it can go even into the future the rest of this year and beyond. I'll see you next time.